everybody. Thanks for listening to Stuff About Sales. Jimmy T here with my new co-host who's just joined the show. This is her first episode officially as a co-host, Anna Pensick. How, Anna, how are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and to be your new co-host. Yep. Let's rock and yep, roll. Yeah, excited to have you. We have we have Chris Rudigrab today, who is the CEO of Sendoso, and he has an interesting journey from account executive to CEO. He still sells along his account executives. We're going to talk a little bit about that, things that he values in an account executive and some things that they're doing at Sendoso that are making them successful. I think it'll be really applicable to AEs, sales leaders, even VPs and directors, and maybe anybody who's thinking about founding their own company. Um, the, before we get started, I um, just want to remind everybody, if you, if you like the podcast, Please, or if you just like Hannah better than me, you didn't want to do it before because Hannah wasn't a co-host. Please, there yeah, it is. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please like. Please leave a comment. It helps us out a lot. Um, it moves us up the charts so more people listen, and we'll open more opportunities to get interesting guests. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, please, um, you know, please do that for us, or just do it for Hannah. You don't even have to do it for me. Without further ado, <laughs> do it for I'll, me. Yeah, just do it for Hannah. All right. Without further ado, here's Chris. Hey everybody, we have Chris Rudy Grapp here, the CEO of Sendoso. Chris is gonna to talk to us a little bit about his journey from account executive to CEO of Sendoso and talk a little bit about how Sendoso helps account executives. And we'll get into a little bit more about the account executive and what Chris thinks is important from an account executive. But I'll turn it over to you, Chris, if you wanna just give us a little bit about your background and um, Sendoso. Yeah, thanks so much, James and Hannah, for having me on the show today. So um, again, I'm Chris Rudigrap. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso. I started Sendoso about five years ago. Prior to that, spent about 10 years in software sales in San Francisco. Um, I was an AE for most all those years. And really the idea for Sedoso came about when I was an AE at my last company and we were uh, sending out a bunch of emails as most people do. And I wanted to get a little bit more creative in cutting through kind of the digital noise. And so I found myself after work, writing handwritten notes, packet boxes, you know, stealing swag from the swag closet, marketing will always yell at me, uh, but it worked so well that I wanted to keep doing it. And I kind of just had this epiphany of like, why isn't there a button I could just click in Salesforce and it could send stuff out for me. And so that was kind of the first idea I had, um, and that really turned into Sedoso, which uh, for those listeners today who uh, don't know what Sedoso is, we're a sending platform that helps you know, sales teams, marketing teams, you know, CX teams, account management teams, send out uh, direct mail or, or gifts, handwritten notes, really anything you can think of, you can send it. And we do that through an integrated approach. So it works within your Salesforce, your HubSpot, your sales loft, your outreach, we have a you know infinite number of gifts that you can send and all the tracking and everything and budgeting so you know marketing can pay the bills so you don't have to all that good stuff. I love that. So I, I had a question about Sendoso because I think in the digital age that we live in now, I don't think it's top of mind all the time for account executives to be thinking about what type of physical um, item can you send a prospect or a partner? So can you talk to us a little bit about that journey for you? Like how did that epiphany happen? And and, and what success did you see with that, that you wanted to turn that into a company? Yeah, so uh, for me, I was, uh, I think I've always been kind of a creative account executive. I would find myself um, always looking at personalization, always looking at um, interesting little sales hacks that I could do. And and I think a lot of that drove me to being more creative, to thinking outside the box about, okay, if everyone else is 
you know, setting up sequences and sending out a million things, what else can I do to differentiate? And so I think the first thing I started sending out was actually Starbucks gift cards. Um, and I would go and get Starbucks gift cards. I'd mail them out. I'd also buy Starbucks e-gift cards off their website. And then, and, and it was as simple as saying like, Hey, you know, either, Hey, I want to buy you coffee. Let's chat. Here's a coffee card or, Hey, talk, looking forward to talking to you later today. You know, here's a coffee on me. And it was just a kind of a small thing that, you know, if you're in person, you would have probably gotten, bought someone a coffee and chatted about what you wanted to chat about. It was, but totally. you know, being in inside sales and software sales, I had to kind of improvise. So kind of that digital coffee cup was my first inspiration. Um, the next thing we were doing at my last company is we were, uh, marketing had us like uh, write notes uh, for these like headphone campaign that we are sending out. And I always remembered like it was working well, but like it always felt like it was a lot of effort to write the notes, to pack the boxes, you know, and to kind of coordinate when I was going to click that tracking link to see when it was delivered. So I found myself every day, like spending hours clicking these links to see if it was delivered so that I could follow up, you know? And so that kind of pain drew me to saying, hey, there should be a platform that I could send this through that I don't have to track the links. It just tells me when it was delivered so I can follow up um, and, and all that. This is giving me major flashbacks. I know one of the biggest deals, because I and James and I managed side by side now at Vonage, but I was on his team for a long time. And the biggest deal I've ever closed, we were, it was like late at night, we're about to close it. My um, champion at the organization said that her CEO mentioned he had a craving for McFlurry. I'm like <laughs> scrambling online to find the McDonald's, a McDonald's e-gift card to send him. Couldn't find it. We found a Grubhub one. We sent it. We closed it the next day. But I feel I like your it. platform <laughs> would have made that so much easier. Yeah. See, those type of personal stories, it's like nice to have, you know, a, a, like Sendosa by your side because then you have a quick way to go and you don't have to, you know, uh, kind of be flustered with what to send. It's kind of just preset, right. which is nice. Yeah, totally. The stress, the stress of trying to find the, the, the gift card and send it. And then we were like, did he get it? Did he get it? Did he use it? She's like, yeah, yeah. He got it. Okay. So. Another fun one from a couple of years ago. We were at a conference, and um, this uh, VP was on crutches and said he broke his ribs recently skiing. And so we instantly went and sendosoed him these like Kansas City baby back ribs uh, to his house. Amazing. And it was just like a funny play on words, like "Hey, you got broken ribs, but here's some to enjoy." And he's like, <laughs> "You guys are the best. Like this is so funny." So I think that like funniness and that like different differentiation and I, almost being like quirky at times tends yeah. to make people feel more real. Like you're talking to a real human, not just like a robotic sequence of, of emails. And I, I think that's one of the, the powers that kind of creativity brings to the table, which is something that's tricky to, to automate, but uh, you know, is one of those, la I think last skill sets that, you know, AEs have that if you're good at being creative and, and quirky, you can really make a big difference on your pipeline. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I like the flexibility of it too, um, because it's not just it's not just um, a, a, um, a catalog of certain specific things you can you can send. You know, in this case, you could send a gift card. You could send baby back ribs, right? So yeah. it's it's um, whatever you want from that perspective. So um, something that I wanted to dig into a little bit is um, you when we were talking initially about you coming on, you mentioned to me that you still today sell right alongside your account executives at Sendosa. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk a little bit about maybe your decision to do that, because I think that's awesome, first of all, because you're like one of us, except you've, you've ascended to a higher place. <laughs> and um, 
and then just, just, yeah, just, I guess we'll start there. Just talk to us a little bit about that decision and, and, and how that came about and how, and maybe how, how do your AEs receive that? You know, when you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to come down and uh, I'm going to work with you on this one. Yeah. So one, I think for the AEs and SDRs, it's actually a really attractive part of working at Sendoso is the, you know, a CEO that's so bought into our sales process that he helps out. And I think we also tout that during the interview process to letting sales reps know like, Hey, we're a very team selling organization. And that's something that we really strive to do. So I think from a team selling perspective, uh, we really, we really do a good job of formalizing a process where our A's can get our executives involved, including me in a, in a formal process. That's not awkward. I think if you don't formalize it, it's kind of awkward at times if a new AE reaches out to a, somebody and just says, Hey, can you help? But it's like, we, we teach them to do that. And so there's a lot of, you know, leveraging, you know, uh, team link inside of sales nav to see who, who do we know and how can we leverage Chris's connections. So I think that's one thing. Um, I've also put together an advisor and investor network of about 200 folks. And so this is um, semi unique to Sendoso in that I've gone above and beyond to find CROs, CMOs, you know, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of people that we target. And so now we have like their extended network to also a team sell with. So my AEs will come to me and say, hey, do you know anyone in, you know, like today is like HP Enterprise. And I said, let me just check. I saw three advisors, knew some, uh, a bunch of people. And through that, I made an introduction. And now just today, we got a, a high level introduction to a VP from one of our advisors. And I like made that introduction happen. So that's part of our team selling strategy. And then I think the other two things I do, one is because I built the product and I'm very close to the product team, um, the... Uh, sales teams and the AEs will bring me in like later stage deal to showcase the roadmap and the vision. And so I'll jump on this morning. I jumped on a call with, uh, it was actually by myself with just two of uh, two prospects. Didn't even need the AE. It was more for showing that like I can just jump in, showed our roadmap, talked about some of the cool things that are coming out. And that really is like a nice additive to be able to include in your sales process for, you know, maybe longer, you know, sales processes where there might be multiple months of time in between a first call and a deal close, you know, throwing in your CEO and that can help. Um, and the last thing I do is I, I'm, I'm constantly doing roadshows to, to talk with customers. And so though it doesn't help our AEs per se, it does really help our account managers. And so earlier this year, I met with 95 customers in a month and a half and uh, unlocked a ton of new expansion opportunities for them too. That's gotta be so powerful, um, just having you involved. And I mean, I know from my own experience, um, it's it's always tricky, I think. When when do you, AEs don't know, you know, they're like, well, what what is the proper time to engage um, a high level executive at, at, at our company? Um, how much of this, how far can I take this on my own? Can I close it on my own without this, mm -hmm. this help? But I think if you integrate the process like you're talking about and you just do it on every deal, yeah. the comfort, to your point, the comfort level gets there and you can just ensure that it's happening. And if it's something that's increasing win rates, you just know you're doing it on every deal anyway. So you're not missing it on any deal that it might be useful. Exactly. Do you think, Chris, that there's like a, a deal size limit on executive presence on deals or do you think it's appropriate all the time? It's a great question. I think that, you know, most of our deals are, you know, maybe 20K and above. We do have some mm -hmm. SMB deals that come in lower and get discounted lower. Um, but for the majority of our deals that fall under that, if, you know, if, if we were in the, the, the ballpark and we had deals coming in at, you know, one, one, two, three thousand dollars, that might be tough. So for a highly transactional kind of super SMB process, it might be inefficient. 
but right. you know, I, I think for for us, we're at a stage where I can be very involved um, in, in deals. And we've got about a thousand customers, um, so the velocity of customers we add um, at this stage is enough where I can be involved as much as I can. But the nice mm -hmm. thing is, is like if I'm using, if I'm just leveraging me to leverage my advisor network, it takes me like ten seconds, um, and we actually. Uh, use some, a couple different software to do it to make it even more efficient. So it's not like it's taking me hours to make the introductions or to do the time. So I, it, it's actually a pretty efficient process now. That's great. Yeah, I guess for SMB deals also, if it, if it does get overwhelming, you could always you could always leverage a, a lower level executive, somebody that's still like a director. Yeah, thing, exactly. You know, which is more probably, you know, SMB deals. They're probably you know I don't know how valuable they. They find it get on a call with Chris every day, you know, because they're buying for other other reasons also, like value and price. And um, so, Chris, switching gears a little bit, um, qu question that I have for you: um, being an account executive, high performing account executive, mm -hmm. when you when you were started hiring account executives for Sendoso, your your baby, um, how picky were you? Well, so I got lucky in like the first couple AEs that I hired were friends from the, my last company. So that made it nice in that I already knew them. I, they were already trusted. I knew they already were crushing quota before. So that was helpful. Um, and then I think that um, thereafter when it was a net new, you know, I think I have, a, you, you know, given that I was in their shoes prior, I was able to ask questions that I knew that I could really get into the weeds and if they were good or not, or what they're interested in. And so um, I would say I picky, maybe even not be the right word, but I was, uh, you know, I, I think we got uh, access to a lot of high caliber AEs in the early days and um, a lot of came through referrals. It's actually interesting that we didn't hire a recruiter or an agency until we had about 150 employees which is uh, most of that, all those hires came through referrals of existing employees through our network or even through me doing some outreach to people that I knew. Um, and so a lot of early hires were, uh, were kind of connected. And what kind of qualities do you look for in an account executive? Yeah, so I look for one, I really like someone that's kind of uh, tech focused or tech forward in terms of like, I, I'll, I'll ask him about, you know, obvious tools like how good, do they use like a sales offer and outreach or, mm -hmm. or even not even, I'll say, hey, what sales engagement tool they use? And if they're like, what sales engagement, then that sometimes will be like, oh, okay. But then I'll get in maybe even deeper saying like, hey, have you ever used like Scratchpad or, you know, do you, use, how do you use Gong? And so some of these tools, I think that for, for AEs that have uh, learned how to master these new uh, sales tech tools, it's a big advantage. And I think in the last couple of years, we've seen a surge of sales tech tools. And I think in the next couple of years, we'll see even more where, you know, where, where marketing used to be like the owner of all these tools and MarTech and that was, you know, thousands of MarTech tools. Um, I think sales will have to adopt to a mindset where just being good at, you know, shooting the shit over a, you know, a game of golf or, you know, steak dinner isn't going to cut it. You need to be uh, kind of on the cutting edge of technology as a, as a differentiator. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, two, I, I like soft skills, like creativity is something that I, I try to think about and, and ask people like, Hey, you know, tell me about a time you're creative or, you know, uh, what does creativity mean for you in the sales process? And, hmm. and some people will go down the route of personalization and really getting creative on how they personalize. And I think that's good. That's fair enough. Right. People will, will talk about like a send they did in the past themselves manually. And that always like sparks my interest when they're like telling me about like the McFlurry you right. know, example, because I think most salespeople have one of those examples in their back pocket. If they're creative, they figured out a way to like, 
you know, make a prospect smile. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, you know, jump into usually like pipeline management or, you know, what ACE, what deal size they've closed and some of the more like metric driven uh, questions just to understand like, you know, have they been in a high velocity sales role? Have they, you know, what's their sales cycles like? And just trying to compare that to ours, because I do see if, if someone, you know, depending on uh, where you're selling at or what you're selling, there might be um, differences that that would make you success, more successful at Sendoso. So That's great. Do you think, I've seen some of this on LinkedIn lately, and I, I think it's interesting. Do you think that we're gonna get to a point at some point in the future, um, and you were mentioning it, I think these tech tools, they're only going to increase the amount of them, the, the variance. I know. Do you think we're going to get to a point where, maybe we're already there, I don't know, but where every AE is going to have their own tool set that works for them. So every every AE, I think what's important to understand is that when you, every AE works a little bit different yep. and they have a different style. And I think certain tools may work differently. Like rather than an organization just buying every tool and saying, hey, use this tool, use this tool, use this tool, we like to use this tool. Maybe maybe AEs are just like, hey, these three tools work for me really well. They don't really work for you. So I'm just going to go ahead and maybe it's either a personal allowance from the organization or maybe their own personal, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, so one of the trends that I think is happening, and it's actually an interesting topic in general for sales, is that the thought of product-led growth, PLG, where you know, end users can come in and, and buy, uh, start using the product themselves. Uh, so for example, like Scratchpad, um, you can go in and sign up as an AE and it's a, it's a great tool that how I found out about it is our A's actually just signed up and started using it as a way to better take notes and better update Salesforce fields. And so there was no like executive buy-in, it was all AEs just start using it. And then one day there, they like asked like, Hey, we've got like, you know, 20 of us using this tool. Can we can we buy it now? Um, so I think that there will be more of that where there'll be more uh, tools out there that are more product led and letting the end user like the AE sign up, see success. Um, and uh, that couldn't still, you know, it, it could disrupt the, in a scenario where some of the AEs are using one tool, some of the user or another. Um, I think it's an interesting topic. I think that it's a nightmare for any sales ops or sales enablement people listening probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's definitely something that could happen. And uh, hopefully, you know, the, the vendors out there the, will kind of cope to that if that's what the, the, the buying world wants. Yeah, I think Vidyard does that too. They, mm -hmm. Vidyard's they, a great example of that too. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they just are they're hoping that enough AEs at an organization start using it. And then they say, hey, you know, what would it take to adopt this? You know, you have eight people using it. What, what would it take to uh, to move forward with, with the group? Let's yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that works for the most part. I think some tools would be interesting to see if you could like start using, you know, outreach or sales loft or something on your own. And then, you know, would you, you know, be compelled again enough? And I think the answer is yes. I think if they were to offer that, I think it would be an interesting way into um, more deal flow um, and a different, you know, selling process for them. Yeah, I actually think um, this is, it's a little bit of a challenge that we have right now um, at Vonage. So we have um, traditionally we've been mostly inbound, mm -hmm. and we're getting to a point where we we're, you know, we're hiring AEs that have previous experience doing a lot of outbound work, and mm -hmm. we use outreach um, at our organization. We also use a tool called Chronologic. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Mm -hmm. um, yep, mostly just emails and meetings. Yeah, but we don't like. It's hard for us to just decide, I guess, if we want to just let every AE just do their own thing in outreach, or if we need to 
develop a, a more streamlined outbound program that we can just drop people into that is kind of run by, you know, run down through leadership and marketing that's kind of a streamlined message or do we just kind of let everybody do their own thing? It's just an interesting- Or a combo of both. That's what I'm pushing for as the combo. I think that it definitely takes a little bit of both and the type of AEs we, we want to bring on are, you know, account executives who have that initiative to go out and just find new business, period. Yeah, I would. I was the account executive that would always be hunting. Like, right. I would, you know, I would break the system where they're like, "Oh, Chris, you have like three thousand accounts in your name. Like, you're supposed to have like a hundred. Like, what's going on?" And I'm just like prospecting into a gazillion because that was what I was really good at. Um, but and so, you know, how did you do that? Would you just come in and no, I'm no direction, like just just do it? And- well, so the, the last couple of companies I was an AE at, I was you know, one of the first handful of AEs before there was a, a huge system in place. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I kind of thrived in that world. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I could have ever worked as at like a, a HP where I was one of 10,000, you know, sales reps and my territory was like a zip code in, you know, Georgia, I would have probably gone crazy. Um, but I think that's what you got to figure out. Like what, uh, who are your, if you're a series C A company, like find those and a more hacky AEs that love the the you know uh, green space, and if you're a larger company, find the AEs that like to you know really just have a handful of accounts that they like to go after. So I think it's kind of timing too on knowing who you should be hiring. Yeah, agree. Absolutely. For, for sure. um, so speaking of that, a little bit changing topics, but kind of along the same lines. Do you think uh, is there? What sales activities are most important to you? Um, so when you when you're talking about you know you, you had three thousand accounts, some people had thirty. Um, what is it? Is it you know is it lead lead? Is it do you just look at holistically like how many leads, how many ops, how many deals are you winning, or do you get a little bit more granular and say hey these things lead to this, lead to this, lead to this, and is there something that you think is more important than than another thing? I mean, from an activity perspective, I think it's everything you can do. So like I'm, uh, even though we praise, you know, Sendoso as like uh, one of the, the, the best things you should do, we, we for sure do everything. We, you know, we're doing video, we're doing, you know, social, we're doing email, we're doing, you know, Sendoso gifts, we're doing phone calls. So it's like, I think as an AE, you really have to be good at, you know, doing everything. Um, and you know, maybe some of the things that you can automate a little bit more, like having emails go out. So you're, but then you're focusing your time during the day on phone calls, phone calls, you know, creative direct mail sends videos, videos. So, um, ultimately I don't think there's a, you know, a golden gun kind of thing that you can just say, Hey, if you do this, you're going to win. I think it's ultimately, you know, what is the combination of things that you can grab that prospect's attention? You said it earlier, creativity, I think, just coming in creative and I think that leads to a lot of success. And uh, Chris, do you guys have, do you do, um, do you have a sales enablement organization that do they teach the tools and then uh, you just leave it to your AEs to kind of use them? Or do you guys have a lot of set processes in place where you're like, hey, these are the things that are successful. Just go ahead and use these templates or whatever. And then, you know, give it your own personal touch, but we have a proven method. Yeah, I think a mix of both. So I think we uh, we tend to rely on enablement um, to help with, you know, making sure that they're administering the tools, getting access to the tools. Um, and, you know, we have, you know, uh, enablement that will look at like updating, you know, content around sequences or add, uh, adding new content into, you know, high spot. So there's content there that can be shared out. Um, but I think we then 
really want to make sure that we're not, you know, over uh, processizing it so that AEs or the SDRs can't use their creativity uh, to kind of continue to uh, prospect and, and, you know, really build a better human to human relationship. So it's, you know, enough process and enough guidance that people aren't lost, but not so much so that, you know, you lose out on like the human centric approach. Yeah. And then do you, um, do you guys, and this is Hannah and I are both sales managers. So just curious um, for, for us, do you, how much, what's your cadence like for your sales managers? Are they, are they more, do you guys have a, is it a more coaching situation or is it more of like a, you know, managing to the number um, type um, situation? I think it's, uh, well, it's a bit of both because our sales managers are at the end of the day, they've got a number on their head that rolls up for their team. But I think that both of our, uh, our, our sales managers um, are uh, previous AEs themselves. And so they were kind of, uh, you know, they've got sales in their blood. So they want to help how they can get the deals. How can they help leverage their expertise? You know, what do they know? How can they, you know, help some of the new reps that might have just joined and get them ramped quicker while some of the, you know, more senior reps, you know, don't need their help in the day to day. Um, so they're like actively jumping on calls, being, you know, another voice on the call um, and really, you know, kind of player coaching it a lot of the time. And I think that's uh, I think that's helpful, especially in this remote world, too, where if you're a new AE coming in, you don't have that like peer to peer group as much as you ha could have in person where people are like shoulder to shoulder. You know, you're overhearing someone mention this thing and you're like, oh, that's a good you know, a phrase, I'm going to use that or good rebuttal, I'm going to use that. So I think that's where the sales managers can augment that through them being involved or through them spending more of their time and gong listening through calls and then, you know, taking those sound bites out and passing it on to the team. So I, uh, there's an A, there's an AE channel that is in our Slack and I constantly see little snippets from gong like, hey, good reply to this or hey, here's a snippet from this. So I think that's been a helpful in terms of how sales managers can add value to our AEs. Were, were, you, were you guys remote before COVID? Did you go? Uh, no, but we were, uh, we did have, uh, when we were about 50 employees and now we're about 450, but when we were 50 employees, we had three offices already. And so that did make it so that we were um, already pretty collaborative. So um, not that we were fully remote, but there was a lot of times where you're in, you know, our, our two main U.S. offices are San Francisco and, and Scottsdale, Arizona. So there was many times where you might be a sales manager talking to somebody in a different office or you might be, uh, you know, collaborating with someone that's in a different office. And so I, I think we weren't hit as hit as hard with surprises when everyone went remote because we kind of already were had the collaboration tools and the enablement tools to be able to cope with it really really important we we were the same we were in the office five days a week um and then we suddenly were remote all the time and we didn't have we didn't have, we didn't have all this infrastructure in place so we had some of those challenges but um we we i don't know i think we thrived through i mean hannah, hannah was an ae at the time but um i, I think it's really important like I'm, I'm always i'm always really curious to see how um different organizations handle the um the 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 there's a piece of it where you want to be in front of your team, but you're remote. And mm -hmm. what we do daily meetings. So I do, we have a daily stand-up meeting with our team where, you know, if we, there's nothing to talk about, I cancel it. But we, we have it most days and we just 
you know, just get in front of everybody. Yeah. Even if there isn't anything super interesting to discuss from a business perspective, you know, it's just nice kind of shooting the shit, um, getting, in, you know, getting in front of the guys, seeing how, how they're doing. So, um, and, and, and girls, but, um, yeah, so just, just, just interesting. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, I recently saw that we might, that we're thinking about trying out is this like always on kind of little tablet next to you. That's kind of running a zoom for your whole team throughout the day. You can obviously okay. mute it or not. But the thought is, is it's like if you're not on a call and someone else is not on the call, you can be like, hey, like blah, blah, blah. Or if you're just in prospecting mode, replying to emails, you can listen in to someone else who's on a demo or something. So it yeah, kind, so cool. kind of brings back a little bit of like the in the sales pit uh, moments. Yeah. Um, some of the serendipity that you get from like not, um, you know, you know, yeah. not putting meeting, meeting, meeting. Yeah. But overheard someone mention like this great new product feature that I didn't even know we had, you know, it's right. like, you know, um, I, I was talking to someone else that did that and kind of thinking about trying to implement that ourselves. That's really interesting. You, I love I, that. I saw, something, I saw something today, Facebook announced something where it's yeah, a VR, a VR thing. I saw that too. I didn't read it yet, but I was, uh, Ooh, I, I was need to check this out. I, like the whole concept where you're like in like a virtual room with people and uh, yes, it'll be interesting uh, in a world if you're selling in a virtual room, maybe you uh, send also a prospect, a Oculus and you're like, jump on oh this Oculus. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> that's um, that's, uh, that's like, um, that's like some, what's the, um, what's inception. That's yeah, like some, exactly. inception. totally. <laughs> That's really I'm interesting. I wonder through. how I wonder how people would receive that because it is. I mean, I some of the AEs that were ramping in. I mean, I feel for them. Like when I was in when I was a rookie AE, I feel like I learned a lot of what I know. Just the stuff that you can't really train on, like the process yeah. stuff, or just um, you know phrases, just all of that from listening to the vets around me. So, mm -hmm. um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. In a couple well, of years also, from now, I wonder what it'll look like. <laughs> So um, hiring like a gong analyst that all they do is just pull out snippets and share those. Cause it is hmm. tough for like an AE to go in and listen to hours and hours of gong calls because right. they're already so busy. Like they're not going to get off work and then go listen to their, you know, six colleagues talk on gong for 10 hours. <laughs> so we're hiring someone that's just going to go in, listen to the snippet or listen to the hours and hours all day, pull out snippets and drop it into Slack. And so I think that's another way to kind of, drive more enablement or more um, team collaboration in a virtual world. I'm jotting yeah. mental notes here because this is all great stuff. You, you're definitely creative with how you enable your team. And I think it's important. So love it. Are we ready? Are we ready to transition to five rapid fire questions for, for Chris Rudigrap here? Let's do it. Bring it on. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna use my fancy my fancy new um, sound. Are we, are we ready? Here, here it comes. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, question number one for Chris. <laughs> what are your thoughts on profanity in the workplace? Um, I don't mind it. I, uh, you know, I think, you know, so yeah, I, I swear sometimes myself. Um, I, so I think some people take it as just like a funny, fun thing, but I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm cautious to use it like in, you know, prospect meetings or something, um, but, um, or on, you know, demos, but, you know, I think it's in the workplace fine. I, I agree. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a profanity enthusiast. Yeah. I'm talking internally, but Hannah will tell you. With my Fuck yeah. Team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Question two. 
what is your least favorite thing about sales? Um, I mean, losing a deal. <laughs> Fair. Losing a deal. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure if there was going to be some, um, some like deeper um, existential, you know, like, I don't know. Um, all right. Anyway, is cold calling dead? No, I am a huge believer in cold calling. I think it's more alive than ever. I think you got to get a little bit more creative with it because you know, maybe office phones are a little harder to find, but there's a lot of crafty ways that you can get cell phones or uh, other ways that you can uh, call people. So, and even, um, you know, like LinkedIn even has like a, you know, uh, call feature where you can like drop a voicemail in. So I think you just got to continue to think about ways that you can get unique. I agree. I don't think anything's ever really dead. Yeah. I think everything will work some of the time, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next question. Are your parents proud of you? They are very proud of me. Although I would say that my parents um, are, don't fully grasp like the whole like, oh, you've got like how many people and what you do and what's VC money and this and that. So they're a little bit more <laughs> old school. Um, but they... Uh, you know, they love to see what I'm up to and, you know, see my happiness, which I think is, you know, that's, you, you can't beat happiness. Yeah, your parents better be proud. All right, <laughs> last question. What is the number one thing you'd say to younger Chris? Um, I would say just keep having fun and just do what you're doing. I think I had a good mindset when I was young, which is I'm going to, you know, I'm going to continue to crush it. I'm going to be positive and optimistic. I'm going to have fun and I'm going to kick ass and, you know, you know, just continue to grow and be good at what I'm doing. So I think I was overly maybe, uh, confident and, uh, overly optimistic since, you know, I was a little kid. And I think that, you know, I would tell myself not to lose that trait. Yeah. That's love awesome. It. Love it. Well, Chris, thanks for, uh, thanks for putting up with us. For, um, <laughs> Of course. For, uh, for the rapid fire questions and the, and the talk before, um, if if anybody wants to get in touch with you directly or learn more about Sendo, so where where can they do that? Yeah, so I'm happy to continue the conversation offline. Email me at chris k r i s at sendoso.com. Love talking to other AEs or either inspiring entrepreneurs or even in, you know a salesperson that wants to become a CEO one day. So happy to take those offline. Um, if you're curious about Sendoso, you can find us at sendoso.com. Or if you want to network, you know, add me on LinkedIn. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks, thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah. See ya. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Chris. And remember, if you like this episode, please subscribe, like, and comment. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.